Ring, ring. It's time for the first episode of Crossplay Conversations, the show where we dive deep into the world of video games while keeping it light. I'm your host today, Jacob McCourt, and I have two friends with me. My first friend, Joseph Hooper. Hello. And my second friend, Luke Lewis. It's happening. We're podcasting. We finally did it. Um, I would love, before we dive into our takes on the best games of the year so far, uh, why don't we give a little uh, little peek behind the curtain about the process that it took to get this show uh, on the road. Luke, you told me Let's Podcast two years ago, and gosh darn it, we finally did it. Yeah, I think I, I pitched you in, on a, in a casual conversation. Like, I really enjoy chatting about games with you. You've been a guest on... My other podcast, Lukewarm Games, many a time as thirteen Joseph. Yeah. Oh, you counted. Love it. I did. Um, wow. I did. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, over the ca- last couple of years, I've been kind of eager to collaborate more with folks to do more in the game space. Um, and you and Joseph have always been like top of mind anytime I want to have a guest, anytime I want to have a good conversation. And I think that kind of bled over into our friendship and our discord group chat and all that good stuff. And yeah, I just always love chatting about games with y'all. I feel like I rarely have someone in my life that like matches my enthusiasm and desire to go deep about video games and chat about like daily news or what games we're playing or cool indies we just found out about. And um, y'all were always like the perfect source for that, especially this last year. So this podcast is kind of a natural extension of that, a way for us all to hang out on a bi-weekly basis and chat about games and also kind of build this little community and share it with the world and, you know, just spread good vibes with, with our content and just chill and chat about something we love. Yeah, and I think that we, we decided on the name Crossplay Conversations because we were taking the Discord. Y'all, names are hard, but also it was taking our Discord group chat and kind of putting it in audio form. Um, I like to think that we're pretty smart and that we know games and know the history and can talk about them uh, eloquently. So uh, look for that in, in this. It's going to be a bi-weekly show, so every other week you'll get uh, these three wonderful folks talking about video games. Joseph, why are you here? I'm just here so I don't get <laughs> fined, like uh, one of the best running backs, Marshawn Lynch, said. I mean, you guys summed it up well. I like talking about video games. I like getting nerdy into the details. Um, I do stuff like listen to a three-hour court case because I'm like, wow, this is some of the best content. Netflix, move over. This is the best content I've seen all year. So, you know, I'm, I'm a nerd. You guys are also fellow video game nerds, and I love chatting it up with you guys. Yeah, we've done it so many times between our many shows, so I'm glad that we are finally the video game Voltron of podcasts and coming together to make this thing. Um, So hey, excited to be on the journey with y'all. The show I'm sure will evolve over time, but uh, thank you for listening if you've made it this far. Uh, you can do us a couple favors right off the bat. If you like this episode, by the end of it, please send it to a friend because that's how people hear about podcasts. Give us a review on your podcast platform of choice. And uh, give us a follow on Twitter. We're going to be at Crossplay Convos. Are we going to be on other platforms? Threads? Blue Sky? Not for now, but we'll see. If they um, stick around, quick. maybe. Yes, Joseph, <laughs> want, go for I it. I want to jump in real quick because Jacob did something already that I don't approve of. Oh, right? no. Oh, no. Jacob is over here thanking people for sticking in this long. We've been recording for like two minutes. You guys aren't getting thanks for sticking in for four minutes, all right? That's the bar is too low. I appreciate it. 
I, I do appreciate you listening to the intro of this podcast, but personally for me, Jacob doesn't speak for me. You're not getting thanks for me for that. All right. When you make it to the end, the 90 minute mark, that's when you get my thanks. All right. Let's keep going. Okay. You know what? One thing I'm Canadian. I'm the Canadian between the three of us. So I'm going to say sorry a lot and I'm going to thank people a lot. So get ready. Okay. okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay. So in this premiere episode, we are going to talk about the best games that we've played so far in 2023. Kind of give you a mid-year in-review or a mid-year goatee watch, if you will. And then talk about some of the things that we've missed that we will play. Uh, and again, if you want to tell us what you are thinking about playing, you can find us on Twitter. But without further ado, I think we need to address the underwater elephant in the room and talk about probably the best game that the three of us are playing right now. That's Dave the Diver. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get into the Dave the Diver conversation, okay. I want to you know zoom out a little bit, and I want to get you guys' you, you guys your guys's what is it your guys's you I don't know. I hey, get you your guys! <laughs> I want to get your thoughts. All right, Triple um, A space things yep. are going crazy over there. I don't think the discussion. I mean, we're all in agreement there. Indie. I feel like up until the game you were just about to jump into. I feel like it's been a pretty light first half of the year for indies. I don't know if this is because I don't know. Indies were just naturally targeting the later half of the year. I don't remember how it is in, in previous years, but I'm just like, ah, like there hasn't been that big cultural, whoa, this indie is changing things type drop so far. So I'm wondering, and this is coming from the guy who does indie videos, you know, on YouTube every couple of weeks. So um, I'm curious what you guys are feeling from the indie indie space. I think on my end, there's a lot I still have left to play this year. I feel like I've dabbled in a lot of stuff and we'll talk about a couple of the big AAA juggernauts that have like consumed my life being Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, but there've been a couple re real standout indies for me, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, I really adore Dredge. I really like Chia earlier this year. Um, those are kind of the two standouts for me that just did something different, did something special. And to me, we're on like another level technically considering how small the teams that made those games were. But yeah, it's an interesting time because I feel like in these last few years, we've had, you know, last year with Elden Ring and God of War and this year with Zelda, Final Fantasy, etc. Like the AAAs kind of can tend to shadow over some of these smaller titles that I think the three of us are definitely in the camp of like we seek out unique indie experiences. So um, it'll be interesting to see what we're able to get to the rest of the year and kind of what's resonated with us so far. But I, I hear you, what you're saying of there isn't that like transcendent game yet, like generation defining game yet, maybe on the indie scene as far as what yeah. I've played. Yeah. I think I would tend to agree with you, Joseph, that like when I think back at last year for me, um, I think the top five games of my year were all indies. And at least one of them released pretty early in the year. So, like, Neon White was my favorite game of last year. Um, hell of a game. Uh, and then in August, we had the combo of Call to the Lamb and Tinykin both coming out in August. Another set of bangers. So, I would definitely say there are two or three indies that I loved this year. But I would say that there's not as many, like, you know, games that would just miss your top ten. Um, maybe a little bit light. I'm I'm yeah. agreeing with you. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I think 
Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. it There's just, just even though I loved Dredge, it still doesn't feel like that game that captured everybody. The people that played it were like, "Yo, this is awesome! You guys have to check it out." But the conversation kind of moved on fairly quickly. I'm curious if the heavy hitters that do have big publishers supporting them. I'm thinking, you know, even a, a Sea of Stars, for example. The release calendar going into 2023 was very known for the first half of the year. Like, we knew Tears of the Kingdom was coming out. We knew Horizon, Burning Shores, Hogwarts Legacy, all that stuff. So maybe a lot of the indies that do have the benefit of having those uh, publishers backing them or those PR teams supporting them might have you know, pre-scheduled to have some of these bigger indies drop in the second half of the year. Um, because I do think the wave is coming, all right? Uh, David the Diver, I think that one, that one's definitely, you're really digging through the, through the digging mud. Digging or diving? You're, you're diving through the mud to, to find this one, but we got Sea of Stars coming. We got Viewfinder coming right around the corner. Um, and a few others that are on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of them. But yeah, I think maybe it's because there were so many big titles in the first half of the year that just indies in general are trying to get out of the way. I, I do think we'll have that transcendent game by the end of this year. I think that we're really missing like games from Devolver and Annapurna, if I'm thinking about it, because those are usually where... And again, do you want to define whether or not Devolver Digital is an indie as a publicly traded company? Let's we can have the debate. Are, uh, but I think they publish indie games. They've really not had a. They had Terra Nil, didn't tear the world apart. Whoa! Look at me with the bangers today. Holy moly! <laughs> um, but they haven't had like an, a true banger. And Annapurna also. A lot of their games move from 2023 to like TBD. I'm thinking stuff like Lorelei and the Laser Eyes. Will that come out this year? We don't know. Um, so I guess I'm waiting for a triple I banger uh, before I say, like, before I like say that this year's indies are are not gonna not gonna bang. Yeah, 100. percent I think okay. too. Just to add one more note. There's a couple other ones coming out in the next few months, and as of this recording, that have come out that maybe we haven't had a chance to check out yet, but Venba is coming out at the end of July. I've been looking forward sure. to that one for a long yep. time. Um, we're also getting... I'm looking at a big, giant release calendar. Isn't Thirsty Suitors coming this year? Thirsty, Thirsty Suitors, Suitors is coming this year. Oh. Gumbrella? Gumbrella. Wait, we don't know. We don't know if Gumbrella is coming. It says... Plucky Squire, awesome. maybe. Plucky Squire, maybe. I feel like they would have given a date to that if it was coming, but that's just me. Goodbye Volcano High is slated for yep. August right now. Cocoon. Cocoon, Cocoon. slated for that September. That looks incredible. Okay. I, my follow-up question to your point, Joseph, because I, I don't disagree, but I'm curious, what's the last like transcendent generation-defining indie that you would say is like comparable to what you're thinking in these last few years? Um, just so... to give us like a barometer. It's interesting. I don't even know if it has to be generation-defining. I mean, to answer your question, I'm not going to dodge the question. The answer is real easy for me, and it came out at probably the worst possible time, and that is Chained Echoes. It came out in December Ooh. when everybody's on break and nobody's really paying attention to stuff. Chained Echoes was an incredible game, uh, and I really it actually does fit that category of generation-defining indie. I just don't think that the time it came out didn't allow it to get as much press as it should have. Fair. Uh, but... For me, I don't even need generation defining. I don't think Cult of the Lamb was generation defining because there were some. Wow. There were some glaring. Like the idea was great. I had a lot of fun with it. But 
there were some like balance issues and some like things that could have been fleshed out a little more that I would have liked. I, I think Hades is a generation defining game, but I do think Cult of the Lamb was good enough to capture the audience. I do think Stray was good enough to capture everybody's attention mm-hmm. for that moment. And Tinykin, I think that's just a personal favorite of mine. I thought Tinykin was really fun, mm-hmm. but I don't think it captured everybody like maybe a Cult of the Lamb or a Stray or a Neon White even. Uh, but there's definitely a level of polish and a level of creativity um, that need to be there in a in an indie that you say, oh, okay, this one is going to be something special. I think a lot of times you'll either have one or the other. You'll have a lot of creativity, but not the most polish or a lot of polish, but it's like, oh, we, I, I would have liked a little more there. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's on the way, whether it's Viewfinder or Cocoon or, or Vimba or anything we're talking about. I think we're going to have one that that has people saying, oh, yeah, yeah, this one, this one was it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're even missing, like, the innovation that you would get from something like a Before Your Eyes, which I oh, think yeah. the three mm-hmm. of us loved. Like, small game. Such a scope. good game. Uh, story is, is like, mm-hmm. fine, but it's really, like, the core mechanic is something that... Apparently, my Alexa's a big fan of to. Before Your Eyes as well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't blame her. Well, hey, we're going to f- see if this year we'll have some great indies. I have some hope. Um, but I can't hold my tongue anymore. We have to talk about Day of the Diver. We have all been playing it. I think we've all really enjoyed it, I'm going to assume. Uh, but maybe starting with you, Luke. Uh, sure. Nexon's Nexon published uh, game from Mint Rocket, I believe, is the developer. Um, how many hours have you dumped into it, and how much do you love it? I would say I'm like four hours or so in. Um, really, really enjoying it quite a bit. Um, I think it has really compelling gameplay loops in that you're this cool little scuba diver guy, Dave, going after fish. The fishing and like you have a harpoon gun and different weapons and things you're using to catch these fish. That in itself is compelling. And then the, the back half of the game, or rather like the second layer to the game is that you are running a sushi restaurant. So you are using the fish you catch during the day, designing your menu, creating the aesthetic, but there's all these like meta systems within the game that have really impressed me of, um, you're hiring employees for the restaurant. There's a social media app that you're advertising the restaurant on. And just all these like little intricacies that actually make the game really complex but it they do a really good job about walking you through these all different systems and kind of onboarding you slowly and revealing layers as you go um there's also this like overarching mystery about sea people and you're finding cool collectibles in the water and it's just super wacky and the game's style is really engaging for me it's just like whoa this is different this is weird it's fun um, and it's definitely catching my attention right now amidst like a million things to play. This is like all I've really been thinking about the last couple of days. As someone who kind of does something similar to one half of this game for his day job, um, Diving. is it true to life? Yeah, I, I'm fighting sharks every day. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's an intense life, but you get, no. Um, yeah, I do work in the restaurant industry during the day when I'm not podcasting about video games. Um, it's true to life in that there's like, the different layers are aspects of things I do day to day of like hiring staff and training your team and advertising food on social media and like customers being upset sometimes when things don't happen. Right. So there's like layers of realism, but I do like the like kind of like dialed up 
absurdity of it all. And I think that's what makes it fun. Um, before we started recording, I was laughing about the fact that over, I was just got back from a vacation and during my vacation from working in a restaurant, I watched the bear season two and played Dave, the diver, which is like kind of counterintuitive for like compartmentalizing from the restaurant industry. But that's like how fun this game was, that it was like oddly kind of cathartic and just wacky and silly. Do you have a steam deck? I do. Yeah, so you've been playing it on Steam Deck? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, Joseph, do you have a Steam Deck? I do. I keep forgetting who has Steam Decks. Okay, so we're all playing it, it on guys. Steam Deck. Oh, before, off air. Here it is. Ooh-hoo! Right Ooh. Uh, audio listeners, Joseph just showed his Held Steam Deck. Held a Steam Deck. I did. I did. <laughs> Joseph, same feels for you? Yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, there's definitely, like I was just talking about, the the creativity and the polish like within a couple minutes, you understand. Oh, okay, this game has a sauce, mm-hmm. um, and like I really appreciate the level of detail that go into just like the most random things. Like you upgrade your like food item, and you get this crazy cutscene of the chef, like you know, in this crazy anime montage. I'm yep. like, what is this? It's so beautifully pixel pixel art drawn is so uh, artistically done um and it's also just perfectly comedic where i'm like this yeah. is just the perfect tone of comedy where it's like hey this is funny it's not over the top it's not cheesy it's not going too far and similar to that the gameplay loop complements it very well where it's like hey you're you're diving for not too long, just enough where you're like, dang, I wish I could stay a little bit longer mm-hmm. and get a few more fish or, or look around a little bit more. Uh, you get a nice couple jokes, progress the story a little bit, and then you go serve uh, sushi for a bit. And you're like, man, that was intense. And I almost didn't make it, but we got through it. We got money. Time to do it all over again. And this is kind of a deep cut. Uh, but for the people that play Yakuza Like a Dragon... And for the people that played the business management sim in Yakuza Like a Dragon, it feels like they took that, like, the whole concept behind that game, ripped it out and put it into its own game and added some diving into it as well. Just like the wackiness, but also the intense level of scrutiny to all the little aspects of the business and stuff that it, that you have. It's just so fun. Great loop. Uh, and I'm very excited to see how I feel at the end because mm-hmm. right now I'm really high on it and I... And just thinking about, ah, oh, maybe I'll get one diving session, and maybe I'll just do open the the sushi shop tonight, uh, and put fifteen minutes in. So I'm I'm excited to see how I feel at the end. Yeah, I'm with you, Joseph. Where I'm I'm like six or seven hours into it, and my understanding is it's like a twelve ish hour game. So I, okay. I bet I'm about halfway through, and I have to go on a trip tomorrow, and I'm not packed and. When I got finished with work, I'm just like, but what if I just do one session? But yeah. they're getting quite long now, right? Because as you mentioned, there's there's upgrades. So now I can do about a 15-minute dive. So like, you do two dives during the day. You can do one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Then you take your sushi restaurant in the evening. And like, my dives are 15 minutes now. So it's not something like when you first start, your dives are like three, four minutes. Mm-hmm. But you're encountering like aggressive fish. So the AI between different fish is different. Uh, you're collecting objects underwater to upgrade your weapons. There's tons of different weapons. There's like this otaku style, like really nerdy guy who is the person who upgrades all your guns. So you're collecting junk to, to give him upgradable parts to upgrade your guns. There's just... 
there's more and more layers to it that you just keep unraveling. Even the little things like when you serve in the restaurant and there's a small mini game to like either pour green tea or pour beer once you get I love uh, like that a mini beer game. tap. It's so it's satisfying. So <laughs> it's so satisfying. Uh, there's tons of like it's so, like tapper almost. So you have tons of different mini games. There's just a lot to it. But like you, I know this will be on my t- not to like lead the witness here, but this will be in my top ten. I just don't know how high it will be. Okay. Okay. That's Dave the Diver. It's That's on a bold PC. statement. It's a bold statement, but I I will stand behind it. Okay. I will put. I will almost do the Luke Lewis pizza bet style thing of like, Ooh. it will probably be on my list at the end of the year. I know that's Love kind it. of biased because I'm determining the list and I could just not put it on my list, but it'll be on my list. Okay. Okay. I'm curious, Jacob, since you've played a pretty decent chunk more than I have, does the story remain like engaging and compelling up until that point? Or are you more in it for the gameplay loop? Cause I can definitely see the compelling gameplay loop sticking mm-hmm. around of like, they continue to introduce upgrades. You're doing different things. You're serving different foods, all these recipes and different things, but is the narrative still Have sticking you guys encountered you? boss battles yet? What the no, hell? No, <laughs> you'll be compelled. Okay. Dang. Wow. I mean, I'll just say this. I remember, the whole reason I know Dave, Dave the Diver is because I was putting that video together for my YouTube channel and like looking at all the indie trailers that were shown off. Mm-hmm. And I saw this trailer and I was like, how many games is this? Like, it looked like there was insanity happening uh-huh. and there were some notable things. Like, I remember I saw like a giant crustacean with boxing gloves. Yep. And I was like, what is this? There was like a little anime Sailor Moon looking chick. I'm like, where is she? Like, I have no I know this game is going to go places. And I'm ready. I am That's so awesome. hyped. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you guys ever play McPixel? Mm-hmm. It's coming to Game, game? Pass, though. Coming yeah, it's on Game Pass. That's a Devolver game, isn't it? Yeah, so there's three okay. of them, and it's like a, almost like a WarioWare-style game, but it's got the same art style. Ooh. And it just makes me want to go and play McPixel 3. Okay, okay. The other fishing game, we all played it. Dredge. Um, came out a couple of months ago. Which one do you like more so far, Dredge or Dave the Diver? Maybe an unfair question to those lovely, lovely devs who put it together. <laughs> but they're the fish games. So which fish game do you like more? That's I tough. can answer really quickly. Okay, yeah, you go first while uh, I mull that I over. I think Dave the Diver is, like, is compelling me more. Um, dredge, for those of you who haven't played, uh, you go around in a boat and you dredge up either fish or you dredge up treasure uh, to unravel a mystery that's happening in a set of islands around um, kind of a, an ocean area in the game. Uh, fairly small footprint size, like six to ten hours you can beat that one in. Um, little different, sometimes spooky. Um, but I think between the two, I'm really loving, loving Dave the Diver. And truly, it's almost because there are... It's almost unfair to Dredge because there are two games inside of Dave the Diver that are good, and then Dredge is just one game. <laughs> but I almost think that like the two gameplay styles like make it a more compelling package than Dredge. But Dredge's fantastic. I think for me, I might actually prefer Dredge just for the Ooh. aesthetic. I just thought like the spooky vibe and kind of the Lovecraftian horror elements were really really cool. I thought upgrading my boat in that game was really really satisfying and i just liked the like overall mystery of everything and i felt compelled to like 
I want to try to get every fish. I want to try to find every collectible. I want to go to these different areas. I want to fully upgrade my boat. Like, not that I don't feel that with Dave the Diver, but there was something really that caught me off guard with Dredge that I was like, I I might enjoy this boat game. And I was just like enamored with it for weeks. Like, you say it's a six to ten hour game. I'm at ten <laughs> hours and I still haven't beaten it because I just oh, keep God. like doing the gameplay loop and just mm-hmm. kind of, it's it's almost become meditative for me of yeah. like ending the day with some dredge so but they're both fantastic and it's like a hilarious thing to have these two amazing like water fishing related games yeah. um my partner claire is the biggest fan of subnautica and she is like y'all are just coming into my world like i've been here for years welcome <laughs> the water's fine <laughs> joseph do you feel the same way is dredge better than dave the diver for you not currently not okay. currently i've beaten dredge and i know what dredge is to the full extent and dredge is very cathartic um i like to chill just have podcasts on drive around get get upgrades for my ship it was fun it's fantastic it's a great game but i think dave the diver currently because i have not beaten it has more potential to go above and beyond and surprise and wow me uh than than dredge did um I think for me, when we talk about indie games, going above and beyond and surprising is 100% always the thing that puts a game up into the top tier echelon for me. Like just thinking of Tunic, Inscription. um, uh, Immortality. Immortality. Yeah. Games like that where you're like, oh, like these devs not only put together a fantastic polished game, but they had a crazy vision for this. Um, I think Dredge just barely come short of that of like really blowing me away because when it ended i was like okay that was cool that was Mm -hmm. a fun little journey but i wasn't like oh man i can't believe where they took me at the end of this dave the diver just in the trailer i'm like i cannot believe where they took me in this trailer so i I can't imagine that the game will undeliver or under deliver on that Mm so i'm i'm in the dave the diver camp currently right on Okay. I think it's a more complex game, but I think Dredge resonated with me personally, but both really good. I think we need to stick with the water theme here. Um, okay. And I know that, Luke, you played a little little island game uh, called Chia. I'd love to I know. I know you liked it, so why don't you talk about that one a little bit? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Chia. I, I think it did a lot of fun things. For those that aren't familiar, it's an open-world adventure game. Um, developed by a small team, Awaseb, um, published by Kepler Interactive. Um, it's just a delightful little open world game. Um, you play as this little girl, Chia, on uh, a fictionalized version of the real island, New Caledonia. Um, and it's just a really cool insight into New Caledonian culture and music. Um, the art style is super beautiful. Um, hand-painted illustrations, just really vibrant color. And the main gameplay hook that I think is really interesting about the game is you, um, it's called spirit jumping, where you can essentially possess objects or animals. Mm -hmm. And so you can possess birds and fly across the island. You can possess dolphins and swim in the ocean. You can possess a coconut and roll down a volcano. (laughs) Um, And there's just this like wacky physics-based element to the game where... Um, You can use spirit jumping in combat. You can use it for traversal to explore the island. And yeah, it's just a really well done, concise, open world adventure. Um, And the music's really, really exceptional. 
Um, they used uh, local New Caledonians to record cool. vocals and voice acting, and so there's like spoken dialogue in the game that's in their native language, and I just think it's a really cool like piece of representation, and I think it was executed well. But in terms of like open world games, it doesn't light the genre on fire, but it was a very good, delightful little game. I don't want to diminish it at all, but it seems no, like I don't it's either. Part Breath of the Wild part Super Mario Odyssey kind of smashed together in an island theme. Yeah, I, I think that's fair, and those are all great games, and I think this does those mechanics well. And it's not... I personally, you know, get really overwhelmed at, like, 100-hour games. So yep. playing Chia, getting near 100% completion in under 20 hours, like, that was great to me. It was a great, like, two weekends, and it, it hit the spot. So highly recommend if folks are interested in that one. It's if you have the PlayStation Plus extra tier, it's on PS4 and PS5, and then it's also on um, Epic Game Store for PC. Nice. Um, any other indies you want to cover, Joseph? I've got one more. Um, no, I'm I'm really doing a disservice to my brand here, being the indie guy. But it's like, no, I don't have anything to cover right now. Yeah, and for those of you who want to know, um, his YouTube channel is Can't Pause. Uh, he does excellent compilations of so games good. that are about to come out or in the future, so please check out his work on YouTube. Please do. Go subscribe. Coffee Talk, Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly. Butterflies? I think that's what the subtitle is. I just want to briefly cover it. Heck yeah. The first game is on Xbox Game Pass, so if you haven't tried it, then like definitely. It is a visual novel uh, based in Fantasy Seattle, where you are brewing coffee for many different fantastical races um, from, you know, um, vamp not vampires, werewolves, uh, all the way to humans. Uh, and the game is about the politics that occur. Like, there are American politics in there, but what if they were, like on the nose about, hey, there's a race thing going on in America, but let's depict it with, like, fantastical creatures. Um, and then you get to make coffee. And the vibes are just immaculate with the lo-fi beats and the, the rain. The music is so good. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, you know, you're both from the, the Pacific Northwest, so who am I to, as the Canadian to talk about the vibes? But are the vibes immaculate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. I have a question here. Yes, of course. <clears throat> so. Okay. This game looks attractive uh -huh. in, in the fact that I am currently living in Seattle. That's okay. cool. They got uh -huh. a little pixelated space needle. I'm like, Is there okay. a butt in there? I feel like there's a butt in there. No. There's not a butt, but there's something like pretty close to a butt. Okay. <laughs> I guess there is a butt. But <laughs> uh, I am not... I need some some level of chaos or something to keep my hamster wheel brain moving. Okay. So I come with a question. Okay. Is there enough drama or intrigue for me to play this game just like is it or is it just slice of life? It's meant to chill. It's meant to be for the coffee lovers uh and it's not supposed to be a dramatic big old thing. Do you think something like the OC is dramatic? I'm just trying to gauge like your level of drama. Actually, you're super young, so did you even watch the OC? I didn't watch the OC. I mean, I watched Degrassi. Okay, okay. Shout out Aubrey. Yup. Yeah, did you Aubrey think Graham. the drama there was good? 
Come on now. Degrassi, one of the best dramas of all time. Am I right? <laughs> Let's go. I'm a yeah. big Degrassi stan. Whatever it takes. Oh, come on. Don't get yep. me started. Okay. There's enough, like, there's not 10 out of 10 drama here. I would say there's one or two moments in the game, more in the first game, where, like, the drama gets dialed up to 11 and there's a situation that happens. Mm, okay. um, but I would say that there's enough interpersonal conflict between the different characters that if 7 out of 10 drama, like, pulls you in, if Degrassi as drama pulls you in, if, you know, one of the characters is is doing drugs again or, you know, is, is depressed, like, that's the sort of stuff that you get in this game that you get from Degrassi. So I'm not sure... Why we went to Degrassi to talk about Coffee Talk Episode 2, but I guess <laughs> Coffee Talk Episode 2, Fantasy Coffee Degrassi. Well, put it on the box. Ship it. This is not a bit, all right? What I'm about to say is not a bit, all right? If somebody came to me and they were like, hey, we're going to do one of those like throwback podcasts like all of the Disney stars are doing, uh-huh. where we're just talking about Degrassi uh-huh. for 500 episodes of podcasts. Yep. I'd be like, sign me up. I will, <laughs> I will be contributing. Like you guys would be like, how does this man, how does how does this man know so much about Degrassi? Like I would go deep into my Degrassi bag. But that being said, uh, Degrassi, I would give maybe nine out of ten drama. The job okay. is crazy in Degrassi. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of crazy stuff happens. The way you're pitching this to me does not sound like it's for me. Okay. But that is okay. It sounds like uh, the vibes, like you said, are immaculate, which I respect. Seattle in a video game, which I respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out Infamous Second Son as well. Another Seattle-based game. And uh, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Okay, before we talk about AAA, I need another Degrassi sidebar here. Sure. Who's hosting that Degrassi rewatch podcast? Because I know immediately who's going to do it. I mean... You can't get Aubrey. He's too busy. Oh. Jimmy Brooks then, is too busy. Then who, who would it... I mean, yeah, it's not going to be... It's not... Drake is... He's not getting on the podcast, right? Yeah. He's there's no chance. Yeah. Maybe maybe like if we we're popular five years down the road, mm-hmm. maybe we'll get a theme. Yeah. Like a, a fifteen second verse from him. Yeah. No. Uh I don't know. <laughs> Yo, I was his verse in Degrassi was fire, by the way. It was. He's he's uh he's a talented man. Who's, For me, who's hosting? It's uh Emma Nelson. Okay. And Manny Santos. Okay. Oh my so god. So Cassie Steele and Miriam McConnell so, McDonald. That would be so good. That would yep. be so good. That would yep. be so good. So has a question. I, I'm gonna age myself <laughs> as the youngest person on this podcast. What years was Degrassi on? I'm trying to pinpoint if I just missed it. Which or version of Degrassi? Dude, yeah, it's been on since like first of all, they had original Degrassi, which he, predates even me. Okay. Right? That was that's, like because that's really, what I thought. Really I was trying Degrassi to like, Degrassi High came these. out as I was born. Yeah, this was old, but okay. then came Degrassi, the next generation, right? That's the Degrassi that I'm talking yep. about. Degrassi, next generation okay. had to start back in like... 2001. It was 2001? Yeah. I mean, yeah, because they're using the computer. Like, this thing is like a novel device. <laughs> like, the first episode, I, and I'm going way... Up, how, we're only 35 minutes in. It's fine. Uh, the first episode... <laughs> no, this is the time to go off of tangents. We established what this podcast is. If people Now we can thank people for making it this far. Like, yeah. you're you in go. the yeah, d- Degrassi you. bag. Thank you for thank being you. here. I, I apologize. I apologize for starting this tangent. <laughs> the first episode of Degrassi is literally... And this is why I'm saying it starts... It's like 9 out of 10 drama. The, the One of the main characters, Emma Nelson, yep. who uh, Jacob so, so yep. nicely name-dropped... Uh, is like online she's like in an online chat room and she meets a guy 
and the guy ends up being like a child predator. This is the first episode and they have to like save her from like, she went to this hotel room to meet this boyfriend online. He's an old man, child predator. I'm like, whoa, we're starting on like 10. And I mean, the, I mean, the hits just keep on hitting for years. I mean, that show was on for years. I, I mean, like there's like hundreds of episodes. So let me tell you, I bet you. It still holds up today. I, I rewatched, I think, the whole, most of the entirety of Degrassi, The Next Generation. With Bro, my that's roommate like in college. 400 episodes of television. My roommate in college, we were, we were just chilling, and we were like, why don't we just rewatch it? So we just watched a whole bunch of episodes, along with Jersey Shore, for some reason. So, Are you go. saying that Degrassi is your one piece? Basically. <laughs> basically I would re- <laughs> if somebody wanted to rewatch Degrassi with me right now, I'd be like, let's go. Well, let's freaking go. I'm going to cancel the Manny and Cassie or uh, Manny and Emma podcast that I pitched and we're going to do a Degrassi. It's just an podcast. offshoot of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Anyways. That's hilarious. Triple A games. Yeah. Triple A games. Um, Let's talk about the, the game that I'm sure you both are playing that I haven't touched yet. Uh, Let's just talk about Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, That's yeah. a video game, right? Woo-hoo. Is it a video game? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Great, let's move on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> How many hours have you both played, and is it your goatee? I think I'm at about 50, and absolutely. And I don't okay. see that changing. Cla- like, the seas would have to part. Something crazy would have to happen for this not to be my game of the year. Joseph, okay. where are you at? Uh, I've probably put 100 hours in. Oh, I'll, I'll let's have to go, go. Check my Switch. Uh, is it my goatee? Currently, yes, but... There's pl- I think there's opportunity for that to be dethroned, all right? Okay. Um, we got Starfield out there. I think Starfield, for just the type of person I am, if if it delivers, I think, you know, it might shake things up. And Wild Horse candidate, Alan Wake 2. Ooh. If that narrative hits right, come on now. I might, I might start saying some crazy things about Game of the Year at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. Luke just showed a Starfield controller on screen. Let's get hyped. I got mine. Did I need it? Back over no. here as well. Neither did I. Neither did I. It's uh, a good-looking controller. It's really it is a great pretty. game. It's Tears of the Kingdom pretty. is great. Um, yeah. Luke, do you want to dive into – or Jake, you, or Jacob, you had a question. Do you want to cue us up here? Yeah. Yeah, what I, do you want to know? Yeah. So as someone who's not played the game, sure. as someone who owns two copies of Breath of the Wild and currently has a, a Tears of the Kingdom copy that he got from QVC, QVC sitting at a mailbox waiting for him, how would you compel me to play that video game? It just seems so intimidating. It seems like a game that I'm just like, oh my god, too much game. I'm ready. Here we go. Okay, go. So I think Tears of the Kingdom is a great jumping on point for folks that maybe wanted to like Breath of the Wild but didn't go all the way in. Um, I think the onboarding process and a couple key gameplay systems in Tears of the Kingdom make it while more complex, I think ultimately more engaging throughout, um, specifically the ability to fuse items together to create different things, and then the ability to use um, Ultra Hand to then build different contraptions and vehicles and all kinds of wacky things. Just those two items alone, I think, make these this game a must-play in terms of, like, I, I feel like a 10-year-old kid every time I play it because I'm just like getting super creative and wacky and weird with every puzzle and every solution and just seeing like what the game will allow me to do. And it turns out 
a lot. Like, this is the ultimate sandbox. It is so much fun. This is the most I've, like, lost myself in a video game in years. And I know that all of those phrases can sound super overwhelming because it's, like, 100 hours, 50 hours. That's a lot of time. But, like, I would say, like, any amount of time you put in with the game is worth it. And I would also say, like, it's not a game to me that, like, I have to rush to beat this is like the kind of the perfect palate cleanser that I just keep going back to between other games mm-hmm. recently. Cause I've, I've moved on from like it being my main game, but I, I regularly go back to it every few days and um, yeah, it's just so much fun and it's just pure video game magic at its base form. So that would be my, my main argument for you to check it out. Okay. Um, do I need to play breath of the wild first? No. Okay. I don't think really so. Know. No. Because I, I played it for about 10 hours, and then I said, yes, this is very good, but it just didn't didn't pull me in. So I guess, Luke, to your point, I don't need to play Breath of the Wild, and like if I already have it, then just go straight to Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what do you think, Joseph, as someone who's significantly further than I am? Yeah, I think you get a lot of value out of playing Breath of the Wild, but it is kind of just icing on top of the cake. It's not like you're going to be completely lost. Uh, spoiler alert, there's not much of a story in Breath of the Wild. Um, and the story that is there, I could sum it up to you in like five minutes. Um, Tears of the Kingdom, I think one of the pluses is it has more story going on. Mm-hmm. It has more cutscenes, more engaging cutscenes to be specific. Um, I think that Tears of the Kingdom, even though it seems intimidating, I've learned after putting so many hours in, uh, they tell you where the good content is pretty much like as you play the game, obviously there's the main story beats that are great, but whenever you talk to somebody in town, they'll mention, Hey, there's this thing going on over here. There's that thing going on over there. Those are when, where the wild moments come. Uh, every now and again, you'll stumble upon an area where you say, Oh shoot. Like this is crazy that this is happening. This is fun. But I am like, pretty OCD about covering every bit of a map in an open world game and I think when you look at this versus Elden Ring Elden Ring was legitimately one they don't tell you where to go really at all Mm -hmm. but two you go through a empty area of the map and it legitimately could be a random boss fight or a random event Uh, Zelda a little less likely that that will happen Um, you are very much better off going to the places that people know as points of interest. They'll say, hey, I heard something weird is happening over here or there. And if you just beeline it to those or mark those areas out and explore those, um, you'll get a lot of value out. And you don't have to put in 100 plus hours to get every Korok seed or whatever. Um, So I think you start getting a lot of value out very early on into this game. And as long as you just, you know, talk to people around town and go seek out the points of interest, you're going to have a really, really good time, especially with the game breaking abilities that they give you to like ascend or straight through a ceiling or, you know, glue stuff together or rewind time. All of that makes for interesting DIY gameplay scenarios. That's going to make everybody's experience a little more interesting. Okay. Is it pushing last question, and then I have a Switch game that I played that I think I'm the only one who did. Does it push the hardware, like, really hard? I think it runs quite well, considering how late in the Switch's life cycle we are. Mm -hmm. That said, 
I, I guess I'll say this. There's no moment in the game where I'm like, man, the fact that this is on the Switch is detracting from my experience significantly. But there are moments where I'm like, this would run really cool 4K, 60 frames per second on a piece of next-gen hardware. But yeah. that's that's kind of the one thing. But I think it looks good for what it is, and it runs well, all things considered. i say the game is very technically impressive. Like, you do stuff... And you're like, whoa, this actually is working very smooth. I'm jumping from an island in the sky, diving, you know, across the map. And it's not like crazy popping like you would see in some games that release this gin. Um, yeah, it's very and, polished for like, sure. You would never know. Like if it is pushing the hardware, you would never know. Like you would never know that this game is taking us to its limits. It seems like they had no problem developing this, but that's Nintendo elite magic uh, going on over there. Yeah, Nintendo knows how to how to push their hardware. A game that didn't push their hardware, uh, Fire Emblem Engage. I think I was the only one out of the Ooh. three of us that played that one. Mm-hmm. Do y'all like RTSs? I do. I generally do. Do y'all like do y'all like strategy games? Sorry, not RTSs. Do you like strategy games? Usually not. Okay. Usually okay. yes, I would okay. say on my end. I know Advance Wars One Plus Two came out this year. Which intelligent systems just you know their games crushing it? Although I know they didn't make do the remake, but they did the original games. Um, Fire Emblem Engage is just a very good version of Fire Emblem that strips out a lot of what was in Three Houses. If you played that one, Luke, I didn't get to it. it it's been yeah. on my short list of Switch games that I I missed that I want to double back to at some point. But okay, the the story in that one is the best there's ever been in a Fire Emblem game. Because uh, okay. you can play as three different factions and experience the same story, like, from three different perspectives. Um, Fire Emblem Engage is like, what if we made it really simple like most other Fire Emblem games? The story is good, but there is nothing special there. Um, it is just, like, straight-up tactics that is very good uh, and brings in through these uh, these emblem rings the ability to bring in other characters from other Fire Emblem games. So you can, you know, basically imbue Marth or bring Roy as a spirit into battle. Uh, Name a famous Fire Emblem character. There's a ring of that character that you can bring into the game. Um, It's just really, really good. And I know it's not something that I can push on anyone because, like, you have to like tactics games. It's a very good one of those. Interesting. Would you say... Is it... As far as Switch Fire Emblem titles, is it the uh-huh. definitive one to try, or would you it's put not. Three Houses over it for the story edge? Yeah, I think that Fire Emblem Three Houses is just, there's there's so much frickin' content there. You know, okay. you, you can play the game, I played it from one and three quarters houses, um, but I could have went and played the third house, and then there's also even a whole secret DLC like fourth house that you can you can play as. Oh, there's just so much freaking game there. So if That's if cool. you're someone who like has less more time than money, uh, and you like tactics games, beyond like maybe XCOM two from the level of replay replayability there is, like Fire Emblem Three Houses is there. Fire Emblem Engage is the second game you should play after that. Interesting. Right on. So, I will tell you guys a pet peeve of mine. All right, uh, a pet peeve of mine. Yep. For video games, okay. is when a game has a lot of story. Uh huh. That's just mid. A lot of dialogue that's just dumb or waste of time. I hate that. I hate mm-hmm. that. And neon white, neon white got super close, but the gameplay was just yep. so good that 
I looked the other way. Um, I've seen like dialogue clips and stuff of Fire Emblem Three Houses, and I was just or not Three Houses, Fire Emblem Engage. Yep. I was just I can't do this. I'm sorry. I just I cannot. Joseph, I, you like anime though? This is basically anime. No, no, no. I like crazy awesome we'll talk about anime in a second when we get to final fantasy 16 but this is not the anime i like i don't watch slice of life anime i did like three houses but i didn't even finish that game so uh if i didn't finish that one i'd rather go back and like continue three houses than you know talk to random ghost characters about what sandwich they ate (laughs) yesterday or whatever an actual thing that's in the game so yeah uh joseph jujutsu kaizen is back how you feel about that I feel great, but unfortunately, Amanda is out of town. My partner, Amanda, for people who, I guess, don't know who Amanda is, my partner, Amanda, is out of town. We watch it together. So I'm being held hostage, and I'm not able to watch it until, like, next Monday. So I'm kind of bummed about that. I'll watch it and let you know how it is. Please do. Anime, Final Fantasy 16. Y'all have played it. Please tell me more. Luke? Sure. Um, I'm pretty early. I'm probably like six or so hours in. So I think I've gotten past where the demo ended. Mm-hmm. Um, I just picked up the base game just based on everyone's high praise of it. And I, I really loved Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm, I would say a new Final Fantasy fan in the grand scheme of things of I do enjoy RPGs. I do enjoy turn-based battle systems and cool narrative and all the, all of that. But I think the big selling point for 16 for me was the um, Devil May Cry combat designer being involved. Um, mm-hmm. The trailers to the previous points about anime are just were so flashy. The combat just looked really striking. And I'm happy to report after six hours that I think the combat of the game is definitely the star for me. And just like mm-hmm. the level of like absurdity and just like, scale i think is very impressive um specifically i've really enjoyed the boss fights um i've felt pretty challenged throughout um and i have found the story interesting enough to keep me engaged in the moment-to-moment dialogue like to joseph's point it doesn't feel like sometimes jrpgs do to me where i'm like this is very dialogue heavy and i don't necessarily feel interested in anything that's happening whereas right now it's like Oh, what's up with that character? That character is kind of mysterious. What's their backstory? Like, I, I'm intrigued enough to like not dread cutscenes and then be excited to get back into the next combat encounter. So I'm at a good place, excited to keep playing. Um, but I don't know if it's like I. Some folks were like, "This is the best Final Fantasy. This is my favorite game of ever." I, I don't. I'm not there, but I'm enjoying it a lot. And just for reference, like, what is your history with the series? Um, so Final Fantasy VII Remake is the only Final Fantasy I've beaten, and then I have dabbled in various ones. I think I played a bit of ten in the PS2 time, um, and then something, on, maybe a tactics game on Game Boy? Just mm-hmm. dabbled, not never like fully committed to any of them. Okay, you're doing way better than, than I am, because I've basically touched Crystal Chronicles, and uh, is... Kingdom Hearts a Final Fantasy game? It is not. I mean, it is not. Maybe, Ask Cam Hawkins. He would destroy me with that question. But yeah. Joseph, you played more Final Fantasy than that, I assume? Uh, I played Final Fantasy 1 and 2. I played the remake. And I played 13, which I did not like. Okay. Um, so I'm not like the deepest Final Fantasy guy. Uh, but I really, really like this game. Um, 
similar to Dave the Diver, I'll keep this short um, of how I how I would break down Final Fantasy 16. There's two games of Final Fantasy 16. There is the flashy, crazy action combat, crazy cutscenes. I don't know what the budget is for this game, and I don't know what the process it was to make these cutscenes. But it's like we're watching like they're if they just took the cutscenes and nuts. put them in movies. Yeah, I'd be like, yo, this is I'd good. go see this that movie. Hype. Yeah. Absolutely. So it is crazy. And, and some of the, like Lucas saying, the boss fights, the icon battles, super awesome. And it's probably the best version of like any sort of anime game I've ever played, where if they took these same strategies and made a Jujutsu Kaisen video game or a Naruto game or whatever, I'd be like, this is my favorite game of all time because it is just they just make the hype moments feel so good. The second game that this is is. Uh, when all of that is not happening and you're just in the open world and you're just they're like, oh, yeah, this is also an RPG where you can do side quests and stuff. That part of the game, honestly, really garbage. All right. Like <laughs> the the in engine, like non handcrafted cutscenes are terrible. Like the faces are barely moving. Uh, the side quests are, are terrible. How many things do you have to fetch for people? I mean, a, a lot, lot of you're fetching a, a lot, lot of things, yeah. and it's like, who are you, man? Like, you're telling me to get your rice crackers from two miles down the street. <laughs> all this, I'm like, I don't want to do this. The open world is weird. Where it's like, oh yeah, it's pretty a pretty big open area, and they're like, oh wow, you can get this item, and the item is like really far off in the distance. You run to the item, and you basically get like two dollars, and it's like. I have like $12,000. Like, why are you making me get this in an item? Like, this is just so stupid. But you get back to those flashy cutscenes and those crazy fights. And I'm like, let's go, baby. Let's go. I need to see what's going on in the kingdom of Valestidia or whatever, whatever this <laughs> kingdom is called. I just seen videos of Ben Starr talking about his one, his passion for the game, and two, like the, the voice production process on it. And. I have the demo downloaded on my PlayStation 5, and this may be, no, this will be the first Final Fantasy mainline game that I ever try. So I guess I need to report back to you guys on that. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm curious what you think. I think, honestly, the performances are so good in those cutscenes, and the gameplay is that fun that I I think you'll have a good time. But yeah, I agree with Joseph. This does feel like a game I kind of just want to mainline, because the side quests I've dabbled in, I've just been super underwhelmed by but that said the pace of the game yeah the pace of the game mainlining i think is very good and every 20 to 25 minutes you'll encounter something cool and a big spectacle and something interesting thus far i've been dabbling in rpgs for the first time really in my life this year like i played fallout 3 and corona trigger both in the last six months and so i think i'm ready for a final fantasy game and let me tell you Regardless of your feeling on Final Fantasy 16, because to be honest, this is like RPG with air quotes. Like the RPG mechanics in this game are almost non-existent. Yep. Like there's not there's not a lot of min-maxing. The side quests are pretty generic. The open world is kind of linear. Regardless of your feelings on this, go check out uh, Chained Echoes at some <laughs> point because that's that's a real RPG, all right. That's a generational RPG, baby. My man selling copies of Chain Echoes twice on the show. I need to. I, need I gotta to. play it. Your your high praise alone, I feel like, justifies it. I'd also say, Jacob, if for whatever reason 16 doesn't resonate with you, I think 7 Remake is worth playing. Mm-hmm. I th- Like, 
because I, I think seven is such a like historic Final Fantasy game for so many folks that for me jumping into it and loving it, it felt like similar to how I did with Resident Evil two remake of just like really high quality technical level that brought a game that's like historically relevant to life. And it was like kind of the best way to play like a modern version of it now. Joseph, with your LASIK eyes, you said you could spot my shelf behind me. I have a copy of Final Fantasy VII Intergrade on that shelf for PS5, okay. but I have not played it yet. So maybe I play five RPGs this year with Super Mario RPG coming out too. Yeah, I think Ooh, Final I Fantasy VII Remake yeah. is the better Final Fantasy game for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the cutscenes in this one are pretty much goaded. Ain't no game touching this in cutscenes. <laughs> nice. I don't know. The cutscenes in Hi-Fi Rush were pretty good. No. Oh, but good segue. Thank you. Thank <laughs> good you. segue. We all played it. It was the shadow drop from Tango Gameworks that came out uh, early in the year on Xbox Game Pass. I feel like it kind of took the, the world by storm, and I really hope folks don't forget it when we talk about Game of the Year, because the combination of combat and rhythm action game, I think, make this one a really compelling package, especially if you have Xbox Game Pass. I know it was it came out months ago, but any quick thoughts on this one? It's a fantastic game. Uh Still tracking to be on my game of the year list. Um, felt like a really amazing indie game, even though it wasn't made by an <laughs> indie studio. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I still am very hyped about how creative and fun and exciting and short and sweet that game was. So shout out to Hi-Fi Rush. More short games. Hashtag Please. more short yeah. games. Legitly, though. Yeah, I, I loved it as well. I think the art style, the music, the, the gameplay... Um, just really unique and fun and different and caught me off guard and was just a nice, pleasant surprise from Tango Gameworks because it's unlike anything they've they've done before and it's cool to see them get the chance to just flex and make something super wacky and different but super yeah. high quality at the same time. It reminded me of the scope of a Double Fine game and yeah. if we continue to get games of this scope on Xbox Game Pass, maybe the Microsoft Monopoly thing really doesn't matter. Mm. Uh, tease for the next episode that we may be talking about uh, one last game before we talk about what we're excited for for the rest of the year uh, let's talk about uh, Resident Evil 4 Remake uh, yes. I-, I would say one let's of the best it. games ever made the original um, but the remake just as good Luke um, so I didn't play the original um, oh. I'm in a similar camp with Resident Evil as I am with Final Fantasy of these remakes have been kind of my first foray into these series and in, in like significant meaningful ways um but that started with resident evil 2 remake which i absolutely adored i played both as leon and claire and i uh-huh. did did everything i possibly could in that game i played three remake i enjoyed it quite a bit not nearly to the level that i did too and then i jumped into seven thought that was very good as well in a different way and so um Resident Evil 4 has been like hotly anticipated for me this year because everyone talks about it as not only like the best Resident Evil, but arguably one of the greatest games of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, really good. I think on a technical level, it plays so well. The gunplay feels awesome. I played on PS5, so there's a lot of cool like DualSense features and things that they have. Um, on a technical level, though, the game looks beautiful. It runs really well. And from what I've heard from folks who are big fans of their original, they've added a lot of quality of life fixes as far as it not feeling like one big um what do you call a mission where you lead a character and like the escort mission escort Escort, mission yeah it it doesn't feel like one big escort mission because the mechanics and the ai and like the npc pathing feel 
feel very good. So highly recommend for folks that enjoy Resident Evil. I'd say for folks that are like on the fence, it does feel far more action oriented than two or three remake. Um, but really, really enjoyed the game. How about for you, Joseph? Uh, yeah, I have not played it. So oh, okay. Really Sorry, I didn't I, mean to tee no, it up. <laughs> no, I I appreciate this though because one, I did really. I'm just like you did not play original four. Um, Guys, and, sorry, sorry. What are we um, doing? And I heard a lot of good things about it. So had an original Xbox, it, Jacob. Exactly. Fair. Had an original exactly. Xbox. It was on everything but that. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I had a GameCube, so I don't really have any excuse. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm really hyped to get around to it. I think this will probably be one of those Black Friday games where it's twenty bucks or something, and I, I decided to jump into it um, at the end of the year to prepare my thoughts, but. Uh, I played Resident Evil 2 Remake. That's kind of like my only like personal playthrough of the Resident Evil franchise. And that game had me on edge. So I'm very excited that this is more action-oriented so I can like enjoy it rather than be puckered that Mr. X is about to bust through the door and like <laughs> take my soul out of my body. <laughs> so uh, I'm very excited for this one. I'm glad you enjoyed nice. it. Yeah, this this one's on my must play list. I play the original, but I've not played this one. So I, I guess with that question, the final part of the show that I want to go through with you guys is obviously it is it is August. Uh, we have a couple of months left before the end of the year. We have some great titles coming. I guess what I'd love to know from you, just kind of popcorn style, the games that you're most excited to play for the rest of the year, and games that are on your pile of shame that you absolutely must finish before the end of the year. I can start and give give I guess the first one that I we've already mentioned. Sure. It's Starfield, baby. Yep. Yeah, heck yeah. I have played uh I just finished Fallout three. It is the first time I've really played a Bethesda RPG. Whoa. I know everyone's screaming going, This man doesn't play RPGs. I don't until this <laughs> year. Uh but after playing Fallout three, even that game being as old as it as it is, having like technical challenges that it does, I know that that model would work really well in a modern game. And after seeing the Starfield Direct that we got, you know, uh, earlier in the in the summer, I am so stoked, and I may play this one day one. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. That's I'm just race. afraid it's going to take over my life. Like I said, oh, yeah. hashtag more small games. But this game looks incredible. Besides, like, the combat looks great, the exploration looks great, the, the different factions, the jobs, the, the stuff you can do with your own physical appearance. Like... It's all games put into one. Yeah, I think this most recent Direct that we got with the real deep dive into gameplay just absolutely sold me. I was excited for the game, but I think the proof of concept of what they're doing is just really impressive. And I think as someone who's always enjoyed Bethesda games, but I'm not really a high fantasy guy. So the Elder Scrolls games were always like fun and interesting, but never like my favorite thing. But mm -hmm. space on the other hand, like I love star Wars. I love mass effect. And I think having that sense of scale and sense of wonder that Starfield is setting up is going to be really something special. Also, the music is like unreal. They premiered some of the music at the, the game awards concert that I got to go to. And chills just goosebumps so very excited for that one too yeah and hey if you want to hear more about uh, his experience at that concert uh luke hosts a podcast called the lukewarm lukewarm games podcast and they did a whole expose on it uh so please check them out and check that episode out thank you for the plug appreciate it of course i'm the plug master 
Uh, Joseph, you excited for Starfield? Yeah, I mean, come on now. Starfield is probably one of my most anticipated games of the year at this point. Uh, I'm going to get lost in this for well over 100 hours. Uh, We talked about OCD with Breath of the Wild. God, I don't know if I'll ever finish Starfield. Thousand planets, I think they said, something like that. I'll be visiting every single one of those things. Okay, great. Oh, man, trying to finish this game. But, uh, yeah, I'm very, very hyped for it. Awesome. I'm going to be waving at all of the empty planets that they'll be on that game. Yes. Mortal Kombat 1. Are you guys excited for that one? Because I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah, definitely. Super excited. I think Mortal Kombat's always been my favorite fighter as far as that goes in terms of like a little more approachable than the Street Fighters and the Tekkens of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same where I'm not like a big like technical fighting person. So like the thought of getting on the sticks and practicing in Tekken seven or street fighter six, even no appeal to me. It's the story mode in, in Mortal Kombat one where I can kind of pick up the controller and within a couple minutes I'm, I'm doing the, the cool moves and knowing that, you know, this is, I guess, sort of a multiverse story where everything, you know, about the franchise is going to be flipped on its head is something that really excites me. I just need to finish 11 before this comes out. Cause my understanding is 11, really dictates where this one goes. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I was going to say, I'm not excited about this. Um, I have a personal rule. You guys are learning a lot about me today. Yeah. (laughs) I don't buy, I don't buy fighting games. I just don't, uh, I just know I'm not going to play them that much. I know I'm not going to spend time to actually learn how to use any of these characters. Uh, But through the power of PS5 game share, Arsene, my buddy Arsene from the player player pod podcast, um, or the Player Player Podcast. Um, Man, you got to know your own show. Let's go. I know. I mean, it's, you know, it's late. It's late. Um, <laughs> he bought it. Um, so I'm game sharing with him. So I got to play Street Fighter Six, And I'm really enjoying it. Nice. Uh, I will never be great at it because, I, like I said, I refuse to learn these combos and stuff. But the modern controls make it easy. Um, but Jacob talking about a story and, like, having the story be the thing to buy the game over. I'm a little intrigued now. So if the reviews come out and it turns out, hey, this story is enough to, to you know, satisfy an interesting player, uh, then, then maybe I will end up playing it. And it's not cross-gen either, so we don't have to, you know, be technically limited. This is PS5, Xbox Series S, and X, and PC. Okay. We're okay. getting switched to, but whatever. No, okay, no, you don't is. like fighting games. What are you excited about in the rest of the year? Yeah, uh... I have an indie game that is currently my front runner for what I think might be my indie game of the year. I had a sea of stars. I've been very excited about yep, it for quite so some time. Uh, the music, the the visual style, um, everything about this game just speaks to me perfectly. Uh, and it looks like it's going to sing, but obviously we won't know until we have it in our hands. So very excited about sea of stars. What about you guys? I think I got a shout out Spider-Man. That's probably the biggest one for me. Um, I adored 2018 and Miles Morales and just like the epitome of fun in video games to me is swinging around New York City as Spider-Man and doing cool missions. And I think what we saw at the PlayStation showcase hinting at the story with Craven the Hunter and what, whatever's going on with Harry and Norman Osborn, like all that stuff has me super intrigued about that game. Yeah, I've I've been meaning to play the first one. Um, so I guess what I'm you learning is it. that I have Ooh, a thousand I think games to play. I, well, it seems like we're all <laughs> having, you know what I mean? Like we all have blind spots, which is okay. Like, good thing we have a podcast that's dedicated to us playing video games and talking about them. 
It's almost like we have a trio where at least two of us will play the game. Interesting. This Maybe. Works out. Maybe. Um, WrestleQuest is, I think, really the last one that, that I want to cover that we know is coming out this year. Um, we played it at many PAXs. Yes. Um, it is a wrestling-ass RPG that features like real wrestlers, like Jeff Jarrett, for example, and then you know parodies of very popular wrestlers. Uh, it's going to be a long-ass video game. Uh, where your your character, uh, who's a kind of, I think Randy Santos is the name of the character, who's like a big fan of Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, you just try and become the best wrestler in the world through like turn-based RPG or, or really like Paper Mario style RPG. I'm excited for it. We yeah, played too. it in a couple packs. I, I have questions about how long I'm going to love it, but like I'm excited for it. Yeah, totally, totally. Um just a couple more. Uh, a the only contender currently, I mean, except maybe Dave the Diver, that I see with my Sea of Stars pick for Indie Game of the Year, mm-hmm. Cocoon. Cocoon, yep. as of now, is a game that is a hundred percent a Joseph game. Everything I've seen makes me think, oh yeah, this is about to be sick. It looks mysterious. There's some interesting stuff going on but most importantly the gameplay mechanics are insane you're going in orbs you're taking orbs and orbs you're you're doing all this crazy stuff uh and it just looks like a super fun cerebral puzzle game and that's really all i need all right i just need a puzzle game with some cool mystery story beats so sign me up i'm looking forward to cocoon so much mm-hmm. are you I saying you're bringing the orbs inside we... okay sorry no, I just oh, wanted to make a joke about he's games. Trying to, yeah, he's trying to get one, one, one joke in there. I'm not bringing the orbs inside. I'll, I'll shut the door <laughs> on your, your joke there. All right, Luke, sorry. No, you're all good. I got one more I got to shout out. Um, my fiance Claire, would be very upset if I didn't shout out her most anticipated indie, which is Minico's Night Market, coming on September 26th. We've also played that one in a couple packs now, and it's just delightful every time, and can't, can't wait to see the full full game. That's being published by Humble. Is it on Game Pass? Yes. So. Yes, oh, it's day it? one on Game Pass. That was the Ooh. one they they announced at the... There was like the second Xbox developer direct that oh, they did yes. during the Summer Games Fest junket. The ID at Xbox showcase? The, yes. No, no like the, the developer Xbox. direct. What did they call it? An extended? The, yeah. The extended showcase. And there was it was uh, in the Humble showcase, I think, as well. Probably. I th- yeah. We've been seeing this game for years, and it's looked great for years, but every time I get a chance to play it, it's really polished, really fun, super cute, very wholesome. Can't wait. Yeah. One more game. Yep. One more game. Alan Wake 2. Yep. Come on now. I'm yes. very, very excited for yes, Alan Wake 2. Too. When we're talking about AAA games, come on. The World of Control. I loved it. Alan Wake, I loved it back on the 360. Um, and I'm ready to jump back into this world. It looks scary. It looks creepy. Um, and... There's I want to put almost... yarn on maps and connect yes. mysteries. Let's yes. go. Yep. There's almost no one I trust more with like a mystery story at this point than yep. Remedy with what they with after what they did with that uh, control. So I'm hyped. Let's go. Can I have a controversial opinion to end this this part of the show? Control oh God. overrated? No, no. Who's overrating control? Everyone who thinks it's like a goatee when it's a very good game, but it's like there are parts of that thing that drag. It was a goatee for that year, all right? That was a slow year. Yeah. I need to finish Control. Oh, God. <laughs> the Ashtray Maze, very good. Oh, God. Okay, well, that's true. 
Yeah. But I'm I'm leaving this podcast. You guys are you guys are saying too much <laughs> controversial things in the past I, thirty seconds. I, I want to be clear. I am a huge remedy fan. It just can't the game came out at a very difficult time in my life. And I okay. played a couple hours, and I was like, this is incredible, but I, like, mentally am in such a bad place. I don't want to play this right now. And then I just haven't gone back, but I need to. I think it might yeah. be a good kind of segue into Alan Wake 2, because I, I love the first Alan Wake, so I'd mm -hmm. love to kind of see what gameplay they're being influenced by in this new game. Yeah. Should I go back and play American Nightmare? I don't know. No, it's not. No, no. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, those are the games that we're excited about um, for the back half of the year. And then, obviously, we've covered some of the games that we loved. Um, I'm going to – can I ask for the, the review now? Can I do that? What review? Can I ask people to review oh, us to, on the podcasting um, we, platform? Yes, we can thank people for listening to this, <laughs> okay. this podcast now. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening to this podcast. It is episode one. We are very excited to bring this to you. So if you've made it this far – do the things I said at the front. Follow us on social. Crossplay convos. Uh, send it to a friend and give us a review on a podcast platform of choice. We're brand new, so it's super important that if you listen to our show, give us a five stars. If it's on Spotify, hit the five star button. If it's on Apple Podcasts, give us a review and say nice words about Joseph and Luke because they deserve it. Me too, I guess. Yes. Um, and uh, if you want to find us individually, you can find me at Jacob McCourt on all major social platforms. I'm on Threads. I'm at Jacob on Blue Sky for some reason. That's a story for another time. Uh, Joseph, where can you be found on the internet? Uh, I'm the Hoop Man, where the E is a three on pretty much everything. Also, like you mentioned, I have a YouTube channel uh, called Camp Pause, where I cover mostly indie game content, as well as a podcast with my buddy Arsene called The Player Player Podcast. Luke. You can find me on all the social platforms at Lukewarm Lewis. You can find my other bi-weekly podcast that I host with my fiance Claire at the Lukewarm Games Podcast every other week where we chat about video games and pop culture and just try to bring positivity and celebrate the things that we love similar to this show. So all good vibes all yeah. every week. The Crossplay Conversations podcast universe is yes. uh, is large and has a lot of good stuff in it. Another show, uh, Cutscenes, a video game movie and TV podcast. If you're into uh, video game movies and television, uh, we're doing our fifth season, which is about blockbusters. Uh, we're covering movies like Dwayne Johnson's Rampage and uh, Tom Holland's Uncharted. So you can find that on yes. all major podcasting platforms. And uh, the three of us are going to be at PAX West. Uh, so Heck if yeah. you're going to be at PAX West, uh, find us. Give us a high five because, you know, being social. And tell us you listen to all one hour and 14 minutes of this podcast. Yeah. Should we give them a code phrase to, to, to use? Yeah, we need Did like a what do we call our listeners or like, you know what I mean? So it's like you're in the in, you're in the, the cross play. Universe. I say we call them phonies. The phonies. phonies. <laughs> I'm a you know, phony. Our, yeah, so when people phonies. come up to, I like it. I like it. Oh, I'm not opposed. We'll see yeah. okay. if we can, until we come up with something better. That's that's what's. <laughs> yeah, All right, put a pin in that. Let's we'll workshop. It. We'll workshop. <laughs> uh, one thing we don't have is is an outro for the show uh, because we haven't made it this far in rehearsals. So I guess, um, any suggestions on that? Good morning and goodbye. I don't know. That's just random things that I just said. My Cheers and Happy Gaming blank. is Luke's thing, so I don't want to Cheers and Happy that. Gaming is my thing. Um, we could say, like, 
and logging off for the night or something. You know what I mean? Or like trying to tie it into the group chat thing. I don't know. I, I at one point said, we're setting our statuses to away. See you next time was something that I had, but that's super lame. You know what? Peace. I'm going to say it this time and then I, we're going to find something better. S- say that and then I can like text you and have you record something later if once we think on it. Or this whole bit's staying in, brother. Just keep it in, man. <laughs> Nobody has time to be editing out outros. Are you right? ready? We're setting Y'all. our statuses to away. See you next time. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.